Welcome to On the Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 120 for the 23rd of October 2009. Hi Ian, how's it going? It's going very well James, here we are on the couch number 120. Yeah, and it's the earth is shaking at my end, that's for sure. Oh, you've got, got some got a bit of noise in the background there. What's what's going on there? There's a bit of pounding of the slab going on outside. Pounding so, of the uh, slab, a bit of breaking up. There's, uh, you know, who says there's a recession on? There's still the doing some construction re- action, knocking things down and building things. But uh, fantastic goes on. So anyway, here we are. It's not construction news. It's on the couch podcast where we talk about what's new in business technology. Uh, content delivery, mobile, gaming, and... Uh, and you've got loads of gadgets to talk about. Gadget news right at the end. Some I'm really funky stuff. You'll love it. So um, mm. hang on till you're in there. Indeedy. So um, 30 minutes of gadget-filled fun or something like that. Exactly. Right. So kicking right off with the business news. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So what's happened is um, Disney have launched or mm-hmm. announced some new sort of key chest initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, where the idea being that you would, I, th- I think, I'm probably wrong, but I think the idea is that you actually, you buy the content and the key chest gives you the rights to it in different formats. Oh, that's cool. But you kind of, I think it's either you get it in all the formats and then you only pay for it once you use it. Oh, that's even Or cooler. you buy it once and you get it in the other formats. Okay. So, I mean, the problem at the moment is that if I buy a DVD, mm. I also have to go and buy the Blu-ray and I also have to download it on iTunes and... Every time mm-hmm. I want the same content in a different format, I have to pay for it again. So is this yeah. is this kind of this is supposed that? to kind of solve that problem? That's cool. Um, which um, might work. I mean, I'm sure the legal guys are looking at this, and I know Apple. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I found out about because being an Apple fanboy, there was mm-hmm. a mention of Apple might be participating in this as well. Yeah, that'd be cool. But uh, I guess iTunes is already doing this within the home, so within your yeah. domain, you, you can, can already share the stuff which you've purchased because yeah. I think you know, you're buying the rights per home. Exactly. You can move it from, you can have it on your PC, you can move it to your uh, Apple what's TV, the point if, you know, your, your iPod. Your partner, if you live with your partner or mm-hmm. your kids have bought something on their iPod or iPhone, you can then mm, have access to that as well. Home, can't you? Yeah. And, that's, and that's, you know, kosher. So Keychest is maybe aiming to that. And I think anything that makes things simple for users is good, but clearly everyone has to do it. So Yeah. So the question will be whether they can get all the other content businesses to buy into it. Hmm. And uh, in the end, who holds all the keys? That's the question. Yeah, yeah. Um, we shall see. On another bit of business news, again, sort of Apple-related, mm-hmm. Apple had a cracking quarter, best quarter ever. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the weird facts I came out of that one was that, uh, you know, they're sitting on a huge pile of cash and have got no debt. Wow. And they've How got something cash? like $34 billion, which... Um, <laughs> That's a lot of money. It, it is apparently the market cap of News Corporation. Oh, my goodness. That's incredible. So, what are they going to? That's going to be a very rainy day when they make use of that. Clearly, but, um, <laughs> you know, so uh, they nice. could pick up Yahoo or someone pocket change. You know? mm-hmm. They could. Um, so you know, what's uh, you don't want to get on the wrong side of Steve yes. Jobs? He'll buy you. <laughs> that's right. Well, they can definitely buy this podcast, and we'll give it to them for a ridiculous <laughs> <Anytime>. price. <laughs> um, so that's quite interesting. Wow. Um, other big sort of news on the technology front. What's going on there? Well, we've got the release of Windows 7, uh, which... So this in- is the hamburger or the operating system? <laughs> well, they're doing a promotion in Japan with Burger mm. King where you can buy a Windows 7 Whopper 
which is uh, you know, it's only eight dollars fifty three or thereabouts in, in and are there like seven different variants? Well, it's seven hundred and seventy seven the yen. There's um, <laughs> I think there's only actually one whopper, but it's five five inches tall and it contains mm-hmm. seven meat patties. Uh, and it, I don't think you could physically get it into your mouth. I even your mouth, James. <laughs> oh, thank you, Ian. You are so. Uh, but I did see a guy on uh, YouTube try to actually eat one, and uh, he failed dismally. And I think <laughs> I think he probably put on about seven kilos of weight after eating one as well. Mm. Uh, but yes, there will launch of Windows Seven. Uh, now this is important from a technology perspective because obviously, as all new PCs will now be pushing Windows Seven to have that on them. Right. Um, it uh, does contain some new multi-touch technology, so similar to Apple multi-touch pads stuff. on their newer laptops. It's supposed stuff. to be slimmer and more faster. And all yeah, it's meant stuff. to boot faster. Mm-hmm. It's meant mm-hmm. to have a version for lower-end netbooks and so on, which is where they really missed out on Vista. They made Vista big and bulky uh, to run on high-end hardware, and that was that was always the plan that uh, mm. to, to run Vista you needed new hardware. So that pushed the industry to for everyone to upgrade their hardware as well. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, that didn't work because, strangely enough, everyone went to lower-end hardware with things like netbooks. So there's a version yeah. of uh, Windows 7 that runs on And Linux, netbooks. and you know, maybe there's been a benefit for everyone else there. So. Mm. Mm. Okay, so, I mean, Windows has, I guess, come out of the gates pretty fast, and we'll see how that tracks. I don't think corporations will be going for Windows 7 for some time, Anytime, and I guess there's going to be compatibility issues and all this kind yeah, of stuff. Usual, so. yep. mm. And well, then there's a nice picture of the burger. Look at that. Windows 7 Whopper. It is enormous. Is it? I, I, it's all in Japanese, but there's 113 grams of something, and I guess it's saturated fat. <laughs> well, it's not lettuce. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it doesn't look like it. <laughs> and the, yeah, ooh, nasty piece of kit. Um, so uh, you've got a little story here about Common Interface Plus, I believe. This is yeah, the European so kind of cable card thing, right? It is. So this is a way of actually adding... Uh, originally, it was to add conditional access uh, into a TV, for example, to be able to do pay mm. TV just with the television. Um, as it happens... Or need a set-top box, right? That's yeah, the, or... or, or there were lots of ambitions to you know, have the UI coming across it and all those kinds of things, but it didn't really work out at the time. Yeah, but now with CI Plus uh, and the fact that... Um, uh, what was PCI MCIA cards are now advanced enough that you can actually run an entire set-top box and the security in one of these mm-hmm. cards. So CI Plus does actually allow you to do uh, some of the things they're experimenting with now is to enable you to do over-the-top internet delivery on yep. your TV. So you have a CI Plus slot in your TV. Uh, you plug in one of these cards and shove into, uh, Ethernet into it. And then yep. you can do over-the-top delivery and the user interface comes out at the... Uh, the, the card, itself, card yeah. as well, as well, yeah. So it's it's really like a mini set top box now. So but the interface to the to the TV is still like the old traditional transport stream stuff, or is it more? Is it is the whole you know the video is coming out of there essentially, or is it sending more than just video? Yeah, it's more than video now. So essentially, it gets mm. all the controls of the television. It gets the infrared keystrokes and so on. So oh, it really right. can run the television out of that little miniature set top box. So it's pretty cool. And the note here is just about UPC. Considering Which is a using Dutch CI Plus. Operator, is that yeah, right? That's they? right. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't know whether that will affect what they're doing, but I thought it was just interesting time that uh, mm. people I've are certainly seen other operators say, now. you know, people are selling TVs and in Europe you're mandated certainly to have CI. I don't know about CI Plus, not mandatory mm-hmm. yet. But if devices are going out there, which if you're a pay TV operator, you don't have to pay for, yeah. then what it, hopefully out, a CI Plus card is going to be less than a set-top box. I mean, there's, yeah, I know it's that's definitely going to be cheaper. That's, that's the idea. 
because it doesn't um, have all the you know it doesn't have a power I have supply. seen um, you know uh, DCT sticks as well coming out now which are literally the size yeah. of like a Bluetooth dongle yeah I mean the biggest part about them has been the uh, the aerial connector <laughs> um, that's right and so we obviously we heard that um, Sky Italia were going to launch one of those as well yeah so they're launching a, a DDT stick to actually add back in a bunch of channels that uh, and no longer wants to have to broadcast, so we can actually pull it in off DTT and make it available on the same platform. I think it's more than not, yeah, they're cool. not allowed to do it. Yeah, so uh, that's like uh, that's a cool thing. Uh, hopefully, that comes out whether it's just a saber rattle to try and get the channels back <laughs> on the platform. Um, Possibly, but it's very, very cool we'll technology. Nevertheless, learn um, now content delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got oh another technology thing. I think just an interesting again my Apple fanboy knows coming out here mm. the new 27 inch iMac which is just phenomenally huge for a, for a display um, that, that is for a desktop screen that is enormous <laughs> it is uh, but apparently it's got a sort of hidden feature it mm. does apparently through it's got um, mini display port on it mm-hmm. uh, which will also allegedly accept input so oh really so like it's, whether, a, it's a TV as well well, it would suggest that it is. So, you know, awesome. does that mean there's going to be an Apple TV three coming out with a DisplayPort mm. adapter on it, or um, you know, price? That'd be something. It is still, you know, fifteen or sixteen hundred pounds. It's not a cheap beast. <laughs> it's um, not at all, is it? But that is a massive screen, and it's probably a hundred DPI. It's probably a very nice piece of kit. I, I must yeah, because it's have like a look higher than HD resolution as well. Yeah. Isn't so, it? so if any listeners have got that, do send us a bit mm. of feedback. Yeah, um, we can just all read your feedback and be very jealous. Yeah, um, you do have to buy an extra sort of um, input adapter. Well, you always so, seem uh, to do need input and output adapters for video with mm, Max anyway. So, yeah. So if, you, if you've got any any feedback on that, send it to feedback at on the pouch cod on the pouch podcast podcast <laughs> on the couch podcast <laughs> There we go. Thanks. Something fishy going on there. Um, <laughs> so content delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, We've talked a little bit about behavioural targeting before. Is this mm. like form? What's going on here? Well, this is Virgin Media in the UK, mm-hmm. uh, and they've they're using a, a behavioural targeting firm. So that's from three form. Times quickly. It is form, in fact. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it's audience science, but again, you can't say that quickly either. Uh, so their form has changed their name to mm. keep themselves um, really under the radar. I think. Uh, so they're going to collect data and create segments based on user behaviour across its site. Um, oh, this is just on the website. Okay. Yeah. So this is, right. this looks like it's just on the web. Um, and it does, the actual website itself uh, pulls in 6.5 million unique users a month, which is not a bad effort. Really? Uh, so that's presumably enough to. I think that must be just people searching for porn on Google going to find a state. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, you. but I mean. You don't think it's actual genuine virgin I must admit, I'm not a virgin subscriber, no? so I don't know. I mean, I do look at my pay TV subscribers' website occasionally, but I can use that for booking on my PVR and things mm-hmm. like that. So, well, um, they say it, uh, the solution will enable us to deliver relevant advertising to groups interested in similar topics, such as hair care ads for visitors who recently v- searched for Britain's next top model. There you go. Hmm, okay. Um, or, um, for its television mean. services, you know, Virgin <laughs> is still reviewing whether to move forward with a trial with targeting firm form, which there I guess is go. the VOD model. Um, exactly. But that has to be so small. I mean, VOD is going to be mm. principally catch up, I would imagine. Yep. Um, which I guess they're probably not allowed to put ads on if it's BBC stuff, instance, which is going to be the majority in the mm-hmm. UK. Um, so that leaves the the long tail VOD content, which they might be able to put ads around. So it doesn't seem like it's they're going to get lots of money out of that, but we'll, we'll wait and see. Well, see uh, I mean, as a real life example of that, I was having this discussion with someone about how 
there was a uh, an amazing new uh, David Attenborough series called Life being oh, screened yeah, on a bit of that. Very BBC, nice. yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, it's like, uh, and I missed it, and I was like, oh, well, what am I going to do? So I pull up iPlayer, and three seconds later, there I am watching the episode. Fantastic. Mm. I did watch an episode of that myself on iPlayer, I must admit, but since yeah, then yeah. I've series linked it, so I'm going to be recording <laughs> so in, in right. HD. I in think, HD, so. ah, that'll look great in HD. Yeah. Fantastic. So, have a look, you see that. Um, other content delivery news. Mm-hmm. Um, Rogers Cable in Canada. Indeed. What are they is, are we, I don't know if we, did we talk a little bit about this TV everywhere stuff? I thought um, it was in respect to DirecTV, but this is, what are yeah, Rogers doing with it? Um, Basically, Rogers is saying that they want to let people, if you subscribe, you can watch it online. I mm-hmm. think that's the idea. I'm okay. just obviously trying to read this while speaking to you. Um, so it's, you know, uh, mm. and, and other people are looking to do this. Um, right. Okay. So they're, they're taking a step further in terms of being able to watch it in the home. And they're saying that they can actually authenticate based on the customer's cable modem so that they know that which customer they are. They go, huh, mm-hmm. yep, you're the right customer. You can have the Discovery Channel or whatever it is you want to watch online. Mm-hmm. So. That's pretty cool. That means that they don't have to have any crazy uh, uh, encryption or authentication or anything. They because well, it's still it is authenticated, but not by that method. I suppose true. So, yeah, um, it's actually by the actual mechanism of getting the data into the home. So that's pretty cool. Very nice. Are they doing? So it looks like. Um, I mean, the, the actual article itself is about a panel that they had uh, discussing uh, what people uh, are doing with uh, yeah. video delivery and so on. The on-screen media summit. Yeah. Yep. And the Sam Schwartz model, a reference to the president of the Comcast Interactive, who I guess pioneered this thing about operator-controlled, centralized, mm-hmm. authenticated internet TV services. Which is—is is that going against the kind of um, you know the uh, the free open? That it, it does seem like kind of rate shaping because they've got to know mm. what you're trying to watch. So mm, precisely, uh, it's a bit intrusive potentially. I don't know if people go with that. Is it not? Uh, uh, you should be able to watch anything. So. Well, we'll see. So but I think, it's, and generally as a consumer, it's a great idea, isn't it? I mean, oh, it's you know, fantastic. Why shouldn't I, you know, but like the key, the key chest thing should be like, watch it if I'm paying for it. Why can't I watch it anyway? What's the problem? Mm, exactly. And that's, that's how mm. consumers do think in terms of if I, once I bought the DVD, why can't I move it from upstairs yeah. to downstairs to take it on my portable player, to play it in my uh, PC mm. on the plane? You know, I've bought the content. Here it is. Uh, but well, you can, of course, some some content. We talked about it before in earlier podcasts, where you know you buy the Blu-ray, you get the DVD with the side-loaded mm, content on true. it as well. That's um, true. So <clears throat> have a look. So um, no, let's. Uh, it's good. Mm. Um, now Google is planning to offer a streaming music service within its search results. Within How its search results. Work? Well, you know when you uh, you, th- you hear a song and you can pick up a few words of the lyrics and you go, "Wow, that's a really catchy tune." And then you have to try and look up something in Google to find out some site that has the lyrics to find out the song to find out something. And then you have to work out the song and go to iTunes Isn't and there find a, it. Isn't there a kind of a, a website or certainly there's an iPhone app thing where you can sort of hum along and... Oh, hum along. Well, well Shazam you can, allows you to actually listen to it and, and takes you straight yeah, to iTunes. You know that's it. pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, but, everyone uh, in the old days, I mean, I guess everyone of a certain age, I suppose, you, you'd go into a music store and sort of <laughs> you'd try and sing it and the guy at the back would laugh at you and say, hmm, perhaps you're thinking of this. Um, well, but this you know, obviously is, there are less, in, <laughs> less embarrassing ways of doing it today. Well, this is Google's take on, on doing exactly that. So you type mm. in whatever it is you type in to bring it up in Google and brings up in, embedded in the search results music in the form of free embedded streams either from lala.com or ilike.com. So Google's mm. actually done deals with four of the major labels and a bunch of a smattering of independents as well, meaning that uh, you can have a listen to the uh, a bit of the tune and go, yep, that's the one I like. And you know, you can go to uh, ilike.com 
to buy MP3s or go to iTunes or go to mm. La La and just buy the MP3 from them. So, okay, well, very cool. I'm just a bit confused about the interface there because I mean, if you could hum to your PC, that would work. But <laughs> you do have to know something about it in order to type something in. So yeah, that's the first step. But uh, I have to be in front of a computer at the time. But I guess you know, that's kind of they cool. obviously know what people are searching for, so mm. they must be seeing. Mm. People searching for song lyrics in some way. Hey, we could make something out of this. So uh, it, I guess it's a way of keep people on Google, keep peopling, keep peopling, keep people on Google longer, mm-hmm. uh, and and also enable them to do something useful with what their search results were, which is to take them to something where they can turn that into a transaction. Okay. I actually thought it was originally going to be Google was actually offering to, to sell you the music directly oh, but, uh, just, but it's not it's I guess they'll have some referral fees or something referral fees yeah, affiliate, yep. affiliate exactly. stuff um, on mobile side bit mm-hmm. of on the ground but we've got um, the Locate TV app which we've talked about before mm-hmm. uh, for the iPhone is now uh, just been released yesterday in fact on the App Store took a few weeks to get, get it through well that's um, cool version 2.1 is out um, which if you haven't heard of the service locatetv.com uh, allows you to see kind of what's on tv now and you can search for content it'll tell you where you are what's on tv so mm. it's, it's pretty Very useful I, I use it quite a lot i must admit but the new app hasn't just got kind of that basic search it tells you what's on now and next it's got um you can have your own tv guide you can get your favorite channels on it nice. uh, so you can view like a grid view stuff like that so it's a is that a like definite localized to to where you are and like with like i'm in the uk will i get uk channels or yeah, I get- well you can even choose you know if you're in england scotland wales and which tv provider you use and it'll, hey, so cool. it's not going to present you with stuff you can't actually watch which is quite cool and it works in nice. the us and ireland and uk um, hey, and free. so pretty boots <laughs> fantastic search for locate tv one word on uh, itunes store oh, so i'll just give that a go that was a bit of a plug, I suppose. Sorry about that, folks. Don't do it too often. <laughs> it's, actually very good. It's, a, it's, a very, it's actually a very cool, useful product. So. Yeah. That's so, uh, cool. Have a look at that. Um, so you've got bags of game news before we get on to the exciting gadget stuff. Well, there's a, a bit have of an editorial. Played, have you bought yourself a games console recently or got the Wii no, out? You know, no, dusted off I, that I, I have actually been playing um, uh, the second episode of... Um, what's that game I was playing? Uh, <laughs> Not the un- Drake's Fortune Uncharted 2. That's no. the latest big console thing that's coming out on PlayStation 3. It was 3. Fear 2. Fear. Oh, okay. That's the one. And uh, it is actually a scary game because I was playing it last night with the... And in, in London at the moment, it's getting dark quite early. So it was getting darker and darker. And I hadn't turned the lights on and you're kind of creeping around small corridors and funny creatures run past and make screeching noises. And it's actually quite scary. So... <laughs> Uh, don't play it with the lights off. It's don't play it alone. Makes you jump. Really. <laughs> um, so we do have a bit of an article here on uh, an editorial, in fact, on on the gaming mm-hmm. industry and the way it works. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with this, James, but um, there's kind of a couple of different players in the in the game industry. There's, there's the, the people that make games, yeah. and you kind of think that they're the ones that sell it. But the game developers, not. I yeah. guess, right? They're the developers, and then there's a, a kind of another tier called the publishers. Right. So in, in, in a similar way to kind of books and, and publishers, this is kind of like games as being content mm-hmm. and publishers. Yeah. And there's, it's a bit of a discussion about how the industry works. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's often the actual publishers that have the money, make the investments in the development of the games. Yeah. Uh, but it's the developers who obviously understand, understand the, the gameplay, uh, mm-hmm. understand how people react to the game. 
Um, well, they're the brains behind the whole thing, really, aren't they? So. They are. They are indeed. Hmm. And you, you can see in a lot of cases that um, uh, an example would be a lot of iPhone apps where the developers have gone direct to the consumers. They've gone straight into the iTunes store and and uh, either done well or get, got swamped with the other but is, I mean, there's, 50, there's apps. that split. Is it 40, 60 in the iPhone store? Like, uh, I think you get 30, 60, 70 Apple for the, for the Apple, yep. Um, but so a lot is it of, similar in the game area or not, uh, not well, so generous? It, interestingly enough, a lot of uh, iPhone apps developers have now taken on publishers because there's so many games out there, it's very hard to distinguish one from another and mm-hmm. actually get promoted to the point of, you know, once exactly. you're on the top 25, you know, you're going to do well, but getting to that point is actually quite hard. So the developers mm-hmm. uh, don't have the money to do that, but the publishers do. So it's kind of different tiers within the, the, the gaming industry. Yeah, I guess um, it's, you know, going viral isn't good enough if you're going to put a business on it. You can't bank on that, so. Yeah. Mm. So it's been an interesting discussion, so uh, if you want to read that in the show notes, that, Yep. Yeah. And the other gaming news we had was that uh, World of Goo, uh, we've spoken about World of Goo before, it's a fabulous yeah. little um, physics-based game, mm-hmm. great music, fun gameplay, is uh, not just making its way to the iPhone, but they're actually doing an experiment and uh, allowing you to buy the game for whatever you want to pay for it. On the iPhone or? Uh, no, I think it's the actual uh, desktop, one desktop game. And the average person pays $2.03 for it. <laughs> well, this is like, you know, it depends. Like, and you can pay, you have to pay something though, do you? I think you have to pay something, yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, they use, because they use PayPal, uh, when it's a really small transaction, PayPal pretty much takes the whole amount. And uh, yeah. Uh, 30 cents and under. I guess it's pretty similar for buying anything with any electronic payment methods. Mm. You know, there is a fee to make it happen, I guess. So, mm-hmm. uh, there we go. Mm. They, they so I must have a play of that. It's actually a really good game. I totally recommend it. And for mm. uh, one set upwards, you can't really go wrong. Indeedy. So now, the payload, the gadgets. <laughs> Indeed, it's a bit of a gadget episode. Right, this, one's, um, this one's yours, James. What's the Philip direct, Philip's direct well, life and how is it going to change We talked a little bit life? before about the, um, I think it's the Fitbit. Um, oh yeah, that was, seems that was a cool. related product called mm-hmm. Direct Life, um, and it looks it looks like a you know I guess a bit like the Nike Plus thing that you put in your mm-hmm. your running shoes. But this is a um, uh, as it says here, um, the Direct Life activity monitor may not look like more than a glorified waterproof accelerometer, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is essentially what it lights. is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, mm-hmm. But what it has is got little status bars. It's got like. You know, on the, sometimes on the back of laptops, you've got batteries and stuff that tell you how full they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, you, you can upload, you can set some goals. And basically, as you do enough walking or do enough moving about, yeah, it will, each of these things, these bars will come up. So you can see if, you know, have you done your quota of, of fitness today? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's, uh, and you can overflow so you can do a bit more. And I guess it goes red or something like that. So Very um, cool. but there is a monthly fee. What a monthly uh, no, fee! It's eighty dollars, I think, to to buy it. But then there's right. a twelve fifty fee for some personalised advice from a fitness instructor. <laughs> what do they do? How many green bars do you have? Three. Exercise more. Yeah, do, do more. Jiggle about <laughs> a bit more. Jump more. They, they Philip said they they've spent a lot of money investing in custom algorithms to work out what you've been doing. Oh, so from it, your it can tell what, what you're doing about. by okay. This is you can it can tell between jogging and walking and, and other things. Other things. Interesting. Yeah, yes. <laughs> doing the housework. Ah, oh, this this accelerometer signature looks like you're doing the hoovering. <laughs> Hoover faster. It's a dusting <laughs> method. Yeah, I guess that's the weird. I mean, it's all like characterizing, even gestures and things. You've mm. got to have a quite a good algorithm developed so you can actually reliably, you know, not have false positives or negatives. But this yeah. is a bit, yeah, a bit weird, isn't it? Mm. Um, it's a bit strange. 
Mm. Oh, interesting. I think it's a good idea. Wearable stuff and useful cool. stuff. So. Yeah. Well, I've got but, a couple of interesting gadgets. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, you know, I've got a, I've got a T-Mobile BlackBerry, uh, which is actually a US BlackBerry. Oh, right, one yeah. of the reasons I've got this is because uh, on a Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi signal, roaming, yeah. Yep, yeah. you can uh, actually use it just as if you're in the US with like US local calls, and that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It works great at home, but um, our office Wi-Fi is so congested with people doing you know real work that uh, mm-hmm. there's no bandwidth left for me. So I had this clever idea that I'd get one of these little Wi-Fi 3G um, The Wi-Fi thing, yeah. right. So you just uh, put a SIM card in it and it creates a little mm-hmm. base station. Yeah, so it's a little base, base station, battery-powered base station. It's the kind mm-hmm. of size of, you know, not much bigger than a tic-tac box. Right. And switch it on and, and lo and behold, here I am. And I'm sure you'll love the, the irony of this. I'm talking as if I'm in, in the US, talking over Wi-Fi to a 3G connection to a mobile network in the US <laughs> and then back to wherever it is I'm going. <laughs> well, you know I mean, that's better than... I need one of these because I've got no... I actually don't have any broadband at home at the moment. I'm having oh, to borrow no. my neighbour's signal because my... Uh, there's a problem in the exchange and they run out of Eastland oh, no. cards or some other wire. stuff they're yeah. fobbing me off with, but it's been you know, <laughs> almost five days now with no broadband. So. That's crazy because... Uh, uh, this is very cool. I'd, I'd totally recommend it, so... Um, I should lend it to you. I mean, obviously, it depends if you've got 3G coverage. Does it fall back to 2G? I mean, I can imagine yeah, if yeah. it suddenly goes GPRS on you, you're in all sorts well, of trouble. Yeah, it's all slowness and, and pain at that point. But mm. yeah, I don't know. What's your 3G signal like there? That's the question. Uh, at home, none. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I should do. I forgot to check, actually. So, what's this other thing? This live Okay, scribe. so uh, I mean, I don't know about you, James, but I spend a fair amount of my life. Uh, in meetings, writing notes, and then later typing mm-hmm. up those notes. And, and I've been sure. forever looking for a way of avoiding having to do that or making my life easier. And I did right. experiment with one uh, of these electronic um, notepad things where the board mm-hmm. itself was some sort of, it was about bigger than an A4 page. You put right. an A4 notepad in it, you could draw on it, and you could, you could plug it in and pull it into the computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it take, you know, it took four AA batteries and weighed, you know, the, pretty much as much as a tank. And uh, it was just too heavy and big to cut around, so that kind of gadget went, you know, it's in mm. d- gathering dust. But I've got a new one now. This is called a, uh, a LifeScribe N, and it works in a slightly different way in that uh, the actual notepad paper is special. Oh, this has got little dots on it. Yeah, it's seen. got tiny little dots. And, and you can get a regular kind of, you know, I, I don't know if everyone listeners will know, it's like the engineer's notebook. You can get those. Yeah, you, you can, can get the engineer's like notebook. Special and gestures and stuff in there. Yeah, and it's got, um, because it actually has a little tiny camera in the end of it, it can mm-hmm. read those dots and knows what to do. And knows where it is. Knows where it stuff. is and knows the movement and, and essentially mm-hmm. it's like a little mouse, really. Um, but you also have a written record of this as well. Yeah, so it, it, it can actually record sounds as well. So mm-hmm. you can actually be recording sounds while you're writing and then when you're finished, you can click back on and just press on an area where you've already written and it'll play back the audio from what was being said at that time when you were writing those notes. Wild. Very cool. And you can use it and it looks like a normal notebook. You don't look like a geek. Yeah, you don't. The, the pen looks a bit fatter, but it looks like you're a bit cool as opposed to, you know. Okay. <laughs> but it is, it is very cool. It's got a good little demo that I'm going to show you where I've already set this up, but you, you put it in this little mode and you say, draw these lines, draw these lines. Okay. And then it actually turns your, your pad into a piano. <laughs> so I'll just Wait step away from it. So now I can play a little tune. And I can change instruments. You are such a geek. Steel drum. Fiddle. I know, it's terrible. And then you can enable the Witherum track by pressing the R that you've just written. So you've kind of written out your own little piano here and then you can <laughs> play a little tune. 
think we should play the play the podcast out with this puppy. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> so um, I guess this is only available in the US, or is it now available? No, no in the this UK? is this is off uh, Amazon, so it's uh, all very good. It's Amazon uh, in the UK or Amazon? Yeah, Amazon UK. So it just okay. And how much are the pads? Because that's the other thing. Uh, well, expensive. this is. I, I actually I thought uh, this is where the trap's going to be, but actually mm. you can print out your own. So you oh, just right. go into the laser printer. Say I want twenty five pages of notebook one, and off it goes and prints out page with uh, little dots on it. And away you go. Great, and it's good for doodling as well. Presumably, if it's got yeah, dots on it, you can do all that. I shall have to have a looky see at that. What does this uh, What does this puppy retail at? Yeah, I think it's about one hundred and thirty pounds. It's not cheap, but okay. hey, if it makes my life easier, your first page free. <laughs> That's yeah. right. You get a whole bunch of pages with it to start with. That sounds really interesting. I'll definitely um, take a look at that one. It is good fun, but it's very it's very odd when you have a page of printed buttons essentially, and you can press the buttons and it does things. It's it's very does it do pretty odd. good OCR as well? Does it? You know? Yeah, it's really weird actually because you you, you, think you the little pen has a little um, uh, dock that you put it into, and then mm-hmm. uh, it sucks all the pages up, displays them, and then you can search for it. So I was just writing rubbish down on the page and type the word you know cow as you do. Type in the word cow and now up comes the page where it's written and highlights it for you. It's amazing. Amazing. Actually works. I'll have to give it a try next time we hook up to see if it can recognize my wacky hand. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about your handwriting, James. Mine's bad <laughs> enough, but uh, it could be a bit of a challenge. Well, fantastic. Um, well, I think that uh, kind of wraps up the stories. If you've yeah, got any indeed. of your own gadgets that you think or you think Ian and I are talking tosh, do let us know. Feedback at onthecatpodcast.com. Yes, and uh, it's been a pleasure for you, for us to speak and hopefully for you to listen in episode 120. Goodbye from me, James. And goodbye from me, Ian. Cheers. Bye. Bye.